So how we produce food, how we engage and become good stewards of the land and its resources connected in new and different ways. There can be really radically uneven impacts of efforts to secure the water supply for a climate change future. We had schools shutting down. You literally can't go outside in many parts of the state because you can't breathe. Welcome to Uncertain Forecast, a podcast series created by the California Center for Ethics and Policy, or CCP, at Cal Poly Pomona. The focus of our podcast is on climate justice, an issue that affects people worldwide, particularly where inequality is greatest, but which is often disguised or invisible. My name is Nicole Lambrew, lecturer of urban planning at Cal Poly Pomona, executive director at Tinkercraft Design and Advocacy Group, and faculty fellow with CCEP. This podcast will explore issues surrounding climate change and inequality through a variety of means, panel discussions, interviews, and creative works by faculty and students. Our aim is not necessarily to debate approaches to climate change in California, though you will find some of that here, but rather to examine the multiple ways in which climate change is experienced by different peoples and communities with a lens on the question of justice. From artists and activists to philosophers and policy wonks, we hope to provide listeners with a varied and nuanced look at how climate issues affect the lives of Californians and others. In this episode of the series, CPP political science student Melanie Olmida takes a close look at how the most invisible yet deadliest climate change-related issue, that of extreme heat, affects the lives of ordinary people. Melanie is interested specifically on how extreme heat is affecting three different communities, a young representative from, for Latinx communities who's involved with a local activist group, a roof contractor who's part of a group installing solar on roofs in Southern California, and a resident of Pomona. Melanie weaves in other seemingly tangential climate issues, such as wildfires, that greatly exacerbate extreme heat events, and asks of the people she interviews what impact such events have on their everyday lives and the lives of those around them, as well as what they are doing about it with the resources they have. We ask that if you like what you hear, if you care about these issues, please share our podcast with your friends, family, and colleagues. Let's listen in to see what Melanie found out. Thanks for listening. Unsafe conditions are unsafe conditions, and a hot environment is an unsafe condition. Even if individuals don't get sunburned, even if they're not getting heat exhaustion from being out in the sun, um, there are other effects that come as a result of those heat waves where it's like, like poor air quality and then there's increased cases of asthma. They weren't prepared for any of that and it affected their roofers, it affected them by getting sick and ultimately a, a couple of them passed away. Extreme heat is one of the deadliest consequences of climate change. A 2021 Los Angeles Times investigation revealed California has failed to respond to the health dangers caused by heat waves. They also uncover the state has been undercounting heat-related deaths. Heat waves in California are becoming more frequent and deadly. Hello, my name is Melanie Omida. I'm a political science major at Cal Poly Pomona and a student fellow at the Center for Ethics and Policy. Thank you for joining me today to discuss California's climate crisis. Rising temperatures are felt and are affecting every individual around the world. 
However, extreme heat poses an incredibly high risk to elderly, outdoor workers, low-income families who can't afford air conditioning, and residents of neighborhoods without enough shade. Today, we will listen to the unique insights on how extreme heat is affecting California residents from three different Southern California community members. Let's hear them introduce themselves and get to know them. So my name is Frida Sanchez, and I'm actually a student at Cal State Fullerton. I'm also the lead community organizer from the Latino Latina Roundtable. The mission of the Latino Latina Roundtable is to improve the quality of life and advocate for socioeconomic justice for the Latinx community and people facing inequities um, through advancing education, leadership development, and civic participation. So I am Rudy Gutierrez. I am president and CEO of Shell Roofing Solutions Group. We are a commercial roofing company based out of Southern California. We service the entire California market. Our, uh, our strategy is to install energy efficient roofing systems on buildings to reduce the heat inside as well as to save the energy uh, electricity from the consumption of uh, air conditioning and then uh, we lead our clients into installing solar uh, ultimately the third voice you will hear today is from a pomona resident who wished to remain anonymous The following responses are on the impacts they have witnessed or felt as a result of extreme heat and heat waves. First, we will hear from Frida. I think probably what I've heard most, and I've actually met people who have experienced this, is like heat exhaustion and heat stroke, um, or like really severe sunburns. Um, also having heat waves has increased the amount of fires that we've experienced like not necessarily experienced, but that surrounding cities have experienced, which has in turn. The United Nations has reported the number of extreme wildfires is expected to increase 50% globally by the end of the century. In 2020, wildfires burned 4.2% of the state of California, a total of 4.3 million acres. Has in turn affected the air quality here. So even if individuals don't get sunburned, even if they're not getting heat exhaustion from being out in the sun. Um, there are other effects that come as a result of those heat waves where it's like, like poor air quality and then there's increased cases of asthma and that kind of thing. So even if it's not a direct like result of exposure to the sun, there's still other lingering effects that it has on the community. Now we will hear from Rudy Gutierrez. What we're seeing is uh, a, a great deal of impact in the northern climates. So if you go north of Fresno, California, all the way up into Canada, where they are not used to working 90 degree, 90 degree weather, the effects have been felt and had, have actually had tragic uh, circumstances. So in the case of Portland, Oregon, I believe last year, there was a couple of days where the temperatures reached about 100 degrees. That's mm -hmm. historic. There was a couple of deaths in the roofing industry of 
uh, roofers working on the roof that were not used to working uh, at those temperatures. Mm-hmm. And their companies were not prepared. They didn't have the knowledge to, to recommend certain safety guards, uh, certain safety measures that are highly recommended by like OSHA. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't prepared for any of that. And it affected their roofers. It affected them by getting sick. And ultimately, a, a couple of them passed away. So we are seeing some of those effects where the northern climates that are not used to working in the 90 to 100 degree weather, uh, it had a tragic impact. So it's caused our industry to take pause. Now we will hear from the Pomona resident. I would say that some of the effects I felt due to the extreme heat have been uh, just the rest temperatures make it uh, more tiring to move around the house. Uh, we Our AC broke a few years ago, so we've just been using more. Currently, California state law does not require residential landlords to provide working air conditioning in their rental units. A few years ago, so we've just been using more um, portable fans you plug in. Uh, but when you run the fans all day, it's just going to add to the uh, electrical bill at the end of the month. In addition to that, it's uh, it's not as effective as an AC. So it's you're still hot. Um, you sweat a lot, especially in the summer. Uh, and it just it makes everything more tiring, makes everything more, I guess, muggy and hot overall. The next topic we discussed was the issue of increased temperatures of winter 2022 in Southern California. These were their responses. In previous years, it was more like, oh my goodness, people complaining that it was raining, that they had to get their windshield wipers replaced. And this year it was like, that wasn't even the topic of discussion. It was like, why is it a hundred degrees in February? So um, that's something that has been brought up several times and um having access to your ac having access to a fan has really made it obvious that there is a climate crisis happening and even if we do have access to these things it doesn't necessarily mean that we can use it and people who do have those things oftentimes forget that there are folks who don't have those things so um it has been a topic of discussion and it it has changed significantly. Like the topic of conversation used to be like, oh, like this winter is going to start in November and winter lasted like a month here in Pomona, um, which is crazy to think about mm-hmm. now that we're in April and it's we're almost in May. So summer definitely is going to be longer this year. According to reports published by the NCEI, National Centers for Environmental Information, December 2021 was the warmest December on record for the United States. California was ranked much above average temperatures from December 2021 through February 2022. Now we will hear from Rudy Gutierrez. So even further than that, extending into... uh, you know, I would say even five years to now, winters have been relatively warm. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, talking to my friends, my colleagues in Pennsylvania, where they were in 
it's under six feet of snow and we here on Christmas day, it was like 90 degrees almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously that's not normal. That's not, uh, that, that's not, that, that's not the, the right conditions for the winter. Um, so for us as a company, there is no, uh, again, the, the hotter days are getting longer, meaning that the months are, we are experiencing de- uh, higher degree weather uh, throughout the year. And it's so our guys don't recuperate as fast, meaning that there's no, there isn't the winter that we're, we're supposed to have. There isn't the spring that we're supposed to have. It's just, it goes from mild weather above 75 degrees or so, mm-hmm. just it, it goes to, set to 90. Mm-hmm. Case in point, yesterday was almost 100 degrees. Mm-hmm. Yesterday being the 25th of April. Today, so we are at about an 80 plus, 82 degree day or something like that which is more in line where we were supposed to be in May, low 80s, high 70s. So this temperature fluctuation, yesterday our guys had to make a lot of preparation to be able to get their work done up on the roof. Today, the temperatures dropped significantly. We're gonna see this carry through the end of the week. And next week, we're going to start back up to a little bit higher temperatures or so. So this, this temperature differentiation causes a lot of, not only uh, does it cause uh, a lot of changes in, in the performance of people, but it actually destroys buildings as well. The expansion and contraction of materials this constant heat gain, and then it, at night it goes back down to a, a very cool temperature. That differentiation in temperature causes quite a bit of damage. And uh, mm-hmm. so we're seeing traditional roofs deteriorate faster uh, than typical. So for instance, if you take a, a, a very good roofing material, traditional roofing with hot asphalt, install it on a building, you're supposed to be able to get about 15 to 20 years out of, of life cycle mm-hmm. out of that roofing product. Because of the hotter days and the cooler temperatures at night, that expansion and contraction, the differentiating factors and temperatures cause the materials to accelerate their, their breaking points. So what happens is that materials start to break apart. And so now we're seeing life cycles for what would be a a 15 to 20 year roof, life cycles of 11 to 13 years. And they start to break apart Mm -hmm. because of the temperature changes. So not only does it affect obviously the human body, but it actually affects the performance of a building, your houses, your vehicles, you're starting to see the effects of hot temperatures and cool temperatures at night. Mm 
that differentiating factor, constant change in temperature, that breaks up materials pretty quickly. As we heard from the Pomona resident, he does not have a working AC in his home and using plug-in fans increases electricity bills. Here's Frida's take on the issue of AC units and electricity. Just even thinking that everyone has access to an AC or a fan is like, it's something that I take for granted sometimes. I don't have AC in my home, um, so I have to use a lot of fans during the summertime. When it gets hot, everyone's like, let's just go to Target. <laughs> and it just, it's packed and there's, everyone's just trying to get out of the sun and it's like super packed in Target. I know that also happens with other stores like Walmart and it's just everyone's trying to get out of the sun. I know that some of my neighbors don't even have fans and that's also um, an equity issue um, for people that do have ACs. They might have it, but that doesn't mean that they can afford to run them or if they do run them, they're going to have to decide to not pay for something else and they have to weigh that cost. Um, so that's something that I've seen in a lot of cases or if folks do decide to run their AC during the summer, um, they end up with really high electric bills. Across California, residents have been vocal about higher electricity bills due to increased rates. Over the past year, Southern California Edison has raised their rates a total of three times. Um, and Although it's like, it's not necessarily bad to run your AC, like it's just a matter of having a way to address this so that the AC isn't needed or so that it's equitable and they're able to run their AC without worrying that they can't afford groceries the following week. In late April 2022, California released an extreme heat action plan to protect communities from rising temperatures. The $800 million package includes four action plans, building public awareness and notification, strengthening community services and response, increasing resilience of the built environment, and utilizing nature-based solutions. Gavin Newsom is quoted as saying, extreme heat driven by climate change, endangers the lives and livelihoods of Californians in every corner of the state and threatens our vital natural systems. Today, I push for California officials to reflect on the fact that how quickly and efficiently these action plans can be implemented will have life and death consequences for Californians. Researchers project that the number of days above 95 degrees in LA and surrounding cities will double and may even quadruple by 2050. The increase depends on how quickly we can reduce our greenhouse gas emissions and slow down climate change. I urge every California resident to continue to look up the progress of the Extreme Heat Action Plan through the California's Climate Adaption Strategy Annual Reporting. To find further information on our electrical bill assistance, contact your local electricity provider. For information about local cooling centers, reach out to your local government. Thank you for listening today and stay safe.
Thank you for listening to Melanie Omiva, CCP Student Fellow for the spring of 2022, interview key stakeholders to find out how people from entirely different backgrounds and everyday lives deal with the invisible threat of extreme heat. And a special thanks to all the CCP students who have worked together over the past few months to put together this podcast series and for the ongoing advice of our CCP faculty fellows. And thanks to you for listening.